Welcome to episode 107 of George's Random Astronomical Object. Every episode, I run a random number generator to select random astronomical coordinates in the sky, and I then search for an astronomical object near those coordinates and talk about what makes the object so interesting to astronomers. So, let's now run the random number generator. The coordinates for this episode are 6 hours, 19 minutes, 58.2 seconds right ascension, and negative 10 degrees, 38 minutes, 15 seconds declination. The coordinates for this episode point to an object in the constellation Monoceros called the Red Rectangle. Yes, the Red Rectangle. This object is called a protoplanetary nebula which has nothing to do with plants, despite its name. One of the people that I work with at the University of Manchester is Albert Zilstra, who is an expert on protoplanetary and planetary nebulae, and I thought it would be more appropriate to ask him to talk about this object, rather than talking about myself, especially since I think he would have some critical comments to make about my description of this object. So here is Albert Zilstra talking about the red rectangle. The red rectangle is a bright star with a strange nebula around it. It had long been known to be a binary. There are two stars about 0.2 arc seconds apart, which are of equal brightness. Some observers failed to see the second star, though. In the early 1970s, people found a strong infrared excess. Now, infrared emission comes from dust, and the excess indicated there was a dusty envelope around the star. So people looked at old photographic plates and the Palomar Sky Survey, to be precise. They found that the red plates showed a peculiar rectangular structure. So Martin Cohen gave it the name Red Rectangle. But it was already clear that it was much more complicated than that. There were bright spikes coming out from the corners of the rectangle. And it was more an X shape than a rectangle. The infrared emission itself was also quickly found to be unusual. It shows features that have been seen in a few other objects, the planetary nebula NGC 7027, for instance, but with had uncertain identification. We now know that these are due to complex molecules, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. An example is benzene on Earth. Better observations found that the stars looked funny, they were a bit fuzzy and that the distance it was impossible to explain them as a normal binary system. It would require absorbed masses. So the next discovery involved the stars themselves. Spectra showed that it should have been iron lines that are normally seen in stars like this, but they were much too weak. So people calculated how much iron there was, and found that more than 99% was missing. Other elements also were lacking, but not all. And there was a pattern there. Elements that can form solid particles, such as iron, were missing. But elements that don't, oxygen, zinc, had a usual abundance. And it was clear that this was not the original composition of the star. It had been changed. And this was found by Hans van Wickel in the mid-1990s. 
So by this time people knew that the star was in the final stage evolution before becoming a white dwarf. So a star, like the sun, will eject much of its mass at the end of its life. And then the remnant star briefly becomes very bright and hot before running out of fuel and ending its life as a white dwarf. So the rectangular nebula could be this material ejected by the star. Things became more complex. High resolution images showed that instead of two stars, there were none. Well, that's not quite true. The images showed that the central star was invisible when looked at directly, but could be seen as reflections from the surrounding nebula. And because the nebula has two lobes, and the two sides of the rectangle, there were two reflections, and so the same star was seen twice. That explained the apparent binarity. But the star itself was obscured by something, a disk of dust particles. This was found by Roger et al. in 1995. So clearly this dust disk was where the missing elements had gone. Observations showed that the velocity of the star was changing periodically. And the same variation was also seen in the brightness of the star. And that looked like an orbit. So the period was found to be around 300 days. And that meant that the invisible star was a binary again, but with an orbit similar in size to that of the Earth around the Sun. Only the bright star was seen in reflected light. The other star was much fainter and is not seen. The disk of dust is located just outside of the orbit of the two stars. The weirdness continued. So the rectangle, or the X-shaped nebula, what you ever prefer, contained carbonaceous molecules, the hydrocarbons. These form when the gas is carbon-rich. That means there is more carbon than oxygen. The star, however, had about the same amount of carbon and oxygen. And that was clearly different from the nebula. And the dust disk was different again because it showed silica dust. And this is seen where there is more oxygen than carbon. So how was this possible? The current thinking is that the disk is older and formed first. That the star became carbon-rich later on, carbon being a product of the nuclear fusion of helium. And that is what the star is doing at the moment. So the carbon slowly increased over time. So after the star became carbon-rich, that is when the extended nebula formed. And then more recently, gas from the dust disk fell back onto the star. Now this gas came from evaporating dust. But the gas that is left lacked the elements that formed the dust and was still there. So it fell back onto the star and that caused a strange iron depletion. So the Hubble Space Telescope complicated things even further. With the extreme resolution of the Hubble Space Telescope, it showed the prominent X shape very clearly, but now the sides of the X were connected by almost straight lines, giving the impressions of the rungs of a triangular ladder. The structure is seen only in the red. The blue image only showed the reflection nebula near the center. The rungs end in bright spots along the X, outside of which the material seems to curve back to the star. The cause of these rungs of the ladder is much discussed. Nico Konings explains it as a projection effect, where a bipolar flow cuts through a series of concentric spherical shells, shells around the star. And it gives a fair but not perfect fit. Alternatively, Pablo Velasquez uses a precessing jet to explain the rungs. And it also can explain some aspects well, but it does not explain the backflow we see around the X. So there are still open questions there. So is the red rectangle unique? Well, we have found a number of evolved stars that shared the mixed chemistry, with an oxygen-rich disk and a younger carbon-rich outflow. 
all our binaries. We've also found a few objects that share the depletion of the dust-forming elements, and they too tend to be binaries. A number of stars are known that show structures reminiscent of the rungs of the red rectangle. They too are binaries. So in a way, the red rectangle brings all of these groups together. Now in astronomy, if you have one star that shows a new phenomenon, it's called a prototype. Two stars of that type create a class. And three stars have a class, but one of the stars will turn out to be an exception. And often the prototype turns out to be that exception. So we now have a number of stars that share characteristics with the red rectangle and all show how important binary interactions are in the final stages of the evolution of a star. But the red rectangle remains exceptional, being the only one that shows all of these characteristics. So in a way, it is still the outlier of three different groups. And that was Albert Zilstra talking about the red rectangle and the location on the Earth's surface corresponding to the position of the red rectangle in the sky is in the Indian Ocean, about 250 kilometers from the Cocos Islands, which are a pair of sparsely populated coral atolls administered by Australia as a territory. If this location in the ocean was closer to the Cocos Islands, I would probably spend more time talking about them but I'll just skip that for this episode. This location is really just a random patch of the Indian Ocean, which is at least a change of pace from the random patches of the Pacific Ocean that I talk about so much in this part of the podcast. The website for this podcast is www.randomastronomicalobject.com. You can visit the website to download episodes of the show, read information about the astronomical objects, view images of those astronomical objects, look up additional reference information, and send me random feedback. My special guest this week was Albert Zilstra. The audio was recorded and edited by George Bendo. The music is Immersion by Sasha Endy at www.sasha-endy.de and the sound effects are from the Freesound Project at www.freesound.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>